Have you ever dreamed of becoming an interior designer? You don't want to go back to university, you don't want to work for a large firm, but you just don't know how to get started. You want flexibility, you want to pursue your passion, and you want to make income. Well, you should definitely check out the Uploft Interior Design Academy. It's my proprietary program that I've used internally for years and have made available to the public. Not only do you get video modules that you can take at your own pace, but you also get one-on-one coaching sessions with me, group coaching sessions with our Facebook group of Academy students, and so much more. If you're interested, Get more information and sign up for an exploratory call with me at affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. Once again, that's affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. It's time to start living the life of your dreams. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. I am so excited for these next few weeks because these next few weeks I'm going to be doing a series talking to our amazing designers at Affordable Interior Design. As you know, we work in places like London, Washington, D.C., and of course the New York area, and my designers are really the lifeblood of the business. They bring so much enthusiasm, so much passion, and so much knowledge to each and every project that I want to share it with my listeners as well. So today I am joined by Stephanie, Stephanie Namer. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. Well, I am so excited to hear more about you, even though I know a lot about you, but I want to hear even more, maybe some things I don't know. And then I also want to hear about your personal design philosophies, not only what brought you here, but what you like to do. I have a whole bunch of questions for you, so I hope you're ready. I'm ready. Oh, that's good. Good. So first of all, tell me just a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I'm from Montreal. Um, so I'm Canadian. And I kind of grew up in a family that was surrounded by interior design. My father father and his family were always in the lighting industry. So I was constantly surrounded. And my uncle was, is a really um, well-known high-end interior designer in Montreal. So it's just been surrounded it surrounded me my entire life so i think that's really what stemmed my passion for interior design um and yeah i moved here to new york about three and a half years ago and yeah that's just a little a little glimpse of what where i came from and yeah and you'll learn more about me in the following questions well you know something brought me to that so I've never asked you this, but what's the difference? Would you say there is a difference between design in Montreal and design in New York? Do you think we have a different aesthetic? Are there different stores vibes? Aesthetic, because everyone, like through the internet and and all technology, everyone is engages in the same style. It has the same platform. Like it reach all the designs reach everybody. So whether all the inspiration is kind of communal at this point. But um, I would say it's just really more the energy, um, the opportunity that differs from Montreal and New York. 
that's definitely and I feel like especially in this business of our fast turnover this might not work in Montreal as Mm. it does in New York because in New York there's people there's such a high turnover of people moving to apartments where Montreal's more calm as much as it's it has a a great like lifestyle and it's it's fast paced to a certain extent there's it's still much slower than the New York lifestyle so I think that's where it would differ yeah, because the turnover is really a huge part of our business model here. But that being said, we work in the suburbs where instead of working with one client three times over 10 years, we work with them three cl- three times in 10 months to do their house. So it kind of works out in the wash as we've expanded. But certainly in the New York City scene, people are constantly moving, shifting, but still wanting that style. So that's interesting about Montreal because you kind of assume that all big cities are transient like that. Yeah, I mean, it is still um, to a certain extent. I feel like it's just a smaller city. Um, But yeah, I don't think the design that much differs. I actually find them very similar in certain aspects, Montreal and and New York, in in terms of style-wise. Like, we're a very stylish city, so I feel like we relate in that sense. That's interesting. I've always wanted to visit Montreal. And I had an amazing dream about Montreal. It's actually the best dream of my whole life. (laughs) And it was set in Montreal, and I actually have no idea what Montreal looks like. Anyway, I digress. (laughs) It's so pretty. It's charming. It it reminds me of Europe. It has a European feel, which is awesome. Well, I'm going to have to go. All right. Now, uh, besides Montreal, tell me a little bit more about where you are now, like in your life you know, hobbies, interests outside of design. We want to get to know Stephanie. Yeah, so hobbies outside design. So I love music. I have a huge passion for music, so I love going to live shows whenever I get a chance. Of course, it gets very expensive, so I'm limited to, like, how many shows I could go to. But when I get a chance, I definitely love to go to see live music. I also, I'm very active. I'm athletic. I love to work out, go for a run, go boxing. But my true sport, like my my sport is tennis. And I love to play tennis and in the winter snowboard. So a little bit, that's a little bit. And then I like to have fun in the city and explore New York. Once I'm living here, it's the best city and go and eat all the food here. Yeah, food is amazing. Food is amazing and the shopping, walking around, people watching is my favorite to do. Um, You can never get bored people watching here. So yeah, that's just a lot, quite a bit about me. I'm Um, so off the pulse of music these days. I really am. Not that I was ever on the pulse because music is something that doesn't even really register with me. It's so funny. I think in college, either you were really into it or you or it missed you in some way. And music sort of missed me in that way. But tell me, what are your favorite bands? What would you like? What are you going to see next? I'm like an old soul. So I always say that I'm born in like the wrong era. I love the 60s, 70s, like rock and roll, Rolling Stones, Grateful Dead. Um, I love John Mayer. He's one of my favorites. So I love very rock, blues. I love the Beatles, um, Dr. John. Like I could really, I, there's so many Fleetwood Mac. I wanted Elton John. I actually saw Elton John this past week, which was amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Farewell tour or something. Farewell tour. Yeah. That one I, 
I didn't want to miss. Um, so I, it, it ranges from there, but I also love like even the new stuff, like any good music that like really touches me. Like if the beat is good and like just the whole, I, I just, I could relate to it. So I could do alternative or go to pop and, and country. Well, good, because you're making me feel a lot less out of touch. I thought you were going to say some of these like independent bands that have, you know, are so hot in New York City and I have no idea how to even pronounce their names, but I know all of those bands. Yeah, like I love Bozier. Um, They're great. Um, So I still love the, um, the, what's indie music. Like I love those, those bands as well. But again, like if you, there's one playlist I just have on Spotify it's easy. It's called easy. Go check it out. It's amazing. It's 208 songs, I think right now of just all the old school music. That's just, you'll never get bored of you. I listen to it every day. And because it's 10 hours long, like it doesn't repeat itself. And it's just such an easy playlist and is such a happy playlist as well. So Mm. I always listen to it all the time, like when I'm walking in the city. Should. Well, I was going to ask, do you listen while you're designing or do you find it to be distracting? Sometimes I, yeah, sometimes I, I don't find it distracting at all, especially with my easy playlist. I get lost in it in a way that let's say I'm sourcing for a client. It kind of, I like, I kind of go to the beat. I'm like, Ooh, this, that, you know, like it kind of actually motivates me to, to work a little more efficiently. So um, sometimes it really helps when I remember to put it on, but sometimes I'll get I'll get not stressed, but like be like, I need to get this done that like I forget to turn on music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it definitely helps. I think so. I think music helps with everything I do in life. Um, in terms of whether I'm walking, it makes the walk that much more enjoyable. Um, it almost makes me feel like I'm in a movie. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> interesting. With a certain, if a certain song's on and I'm feeling a certain mood, um, and you're walking on the streets and you're just gazing at New York people watching it, you kind of feel like it's like you're walking and you're kind of in a movie and that's the background music. (laughs) I like that idea. Now, speaking of sourcing and speaking of working, tell us a little bit more about what you do day to day. Like what's your life like at Affordable Interior Design? Okay. So at Affordable Interior Design, my day to day is I definitely, I'm very involved in the social. Um, I do the, the Instagram posts, the blog posts, the Facebook posts, anything social related, all the newsletters I do. So I make sure that that is all, especially the day I post on Instagram and Facebook daily. So I make sure that I have those aligned for the day. Um, what at the beginning of the week, make sure the blog, I have the blog post written. Um, and then whether with the clients, then I, once in the morning I deal, I I do all the social and just try and make sure that's organized. And then I set myself up to source for my clients to get back a client. Actually, the first thing I do is check my email to make sure I get back to whoever I need to get back to, to respond to, whether it's clients or um, coworkers, whether it's Betsy or um, even I also do the shopping for the shop for people who buy the add-on packages for the designer uh, discount service. So I do the shopping for that. So it really depends on the day. I can't tell you exactly my day to day because there's so much on my plate that 
it really depends on the day and what is priority for the day. So it will switch up, but those are all the things that I, um, that I do here. Yeah, I would say second to me, maybe second to me, you wear the most hats at affordable interior design and you might have more hats than me, frankly, I don't know. But um, because you also do a lot of client work and, you know, I think you probably see between two and four clients a week. So tell us what's the most challenging part of seeing so many different clients each week? So many different clients. I think it really depends on the client because some clients like I could really source for them so seamlessly and like. They just, I just, I just get, and I know exactly what they want. So I think it really depends on the client. Um, but for the most part, um, the most challenging, I think sometimes it's, it could be the art. It could be like when they're asking for a specific art, because that's so personal, like in two hours of meeting with them, you could get an idea, but then, and, and think that this is exactly what they want. But for the most part, I do get art right. But I feel like that's where that is where most of the time when I present to the client, that's the majority of the time where they're like, oh, can we see another option for that? And Um, how do you handle that? Like knowing that they may not like your art selection, how do you prepare yourself? I will. I'll just be like, well, tell me specifically, tell me exactly what you're looking for. Like, what is it about this art that you do not like? So that when I do source for them on the call at the end of the call and help them source with them, I know what they don't like. So I, I stay away from that. And then I ask them, what is it that you do like about it? Or if, if there is something, an element that you do like, because I know you did like abstracts. So tell me what about this abstract that you don't like? Is it too full of color? Do you want something that's more less color and more um, white, uh, have more of a white background? Like I'll try and hone down exactly what they try and get more specific and pick their brain a little about what they what they're looking for so that we could together source something that's perfect for their space. Yeah, because I think a lot of people get very nervous when you say, what are you looking for? Well, they say, yeah. I don't know. That's that's where you come in. But they can easily tell you what they don't like. They can easily find that one thing that was like, that's not me. But they can't sum up what is them. Especially when you source something they don't like, they could specifically tell you what they don't like about it. But sometimes they don't even know what they don't like about it. So like, it really depends about the client of how much they – they know they, what they want about how much they know exactly of what they want. Cause some clients really don't know. And then you really, you have to guide them. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it always seems to, we always get there. <laughs> that is the good thing. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Are you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. 
For you, what do you think the most important element of interior design as a whole industry is? Do you feel like it's a focus on artwork? Do you feel like that really makes the space? Or do you think there's another component of interior design that's more important? I really think it has to do, for me personally, cohesiveness and functionality. So like, I feel like a space, like a a huge element is for everything to be cohesive, light on the eye. So like not like it just has to, like, as you were saying, um, uh, we are talking about uh, a client who's looking at a picture and she just saw it in a magazine and it all went together, but she doesn't know how to do that in her own apartment. See, that's something that is um, really like cohesiveness, that it all just blends nicely together. I think that's a really important element to designing and to getting a whole room together. And in terms of functionality, I really also think that the flow of the space, like make it functional for the people living there the best way possible. So um, I just feel like, yeah, and especially with cohesiveness, like it creates the hide or the huga. Like I forget how to pronounce Oh, the higgy? Higgy. Um, Even though I did go to Frozen on Broadway the other day and they have a whole song about higgy and they say it a different way. They say like huga. Yeah, because I just, before this chat, because I wanted to, uh, I'm going to be, blunt and honest right now but um before the i looked up how to um perfect how to pronounce um how to pronounce hi i used used to pronounce it hide but it is huga yeah that's the song and frozen is huga but you know it looks like higgy uh, yeah yeah (laughs) so i've been saying it wrong all this time but according to elsa on broadway it's huga so yeah, so I think that, so back to what we were talking about, I think the cohesiveness really creates the huga in the space and makes it more inviting to. Well, and huga, for those of you who don't know, is that warm, cozy, welcoming feeling that makes you want to, well, at least in Frozen, it makes you want to stay in when it's cold outside and um, and just that ease of living which is something that a lot of us are looking for, but certainly Huga had a moment about a year or two ago, and perhaps it's still going on. It's definitely still going on for Stephanie. She's still in yeah. Huga. I did blog about it this fall when the cold was coming. So, um, so yeah, I've been very familiar, done a lot of research about it. And yeah, and I think, I really think it's very important in the space. And it could also be, um, be related to even like even during the summer when it's warm out like it's more about creating this coziness in your space in general like it always becomes popular with cold because blankets come in and you know and and nice throw pillows but I really like I I really think it's relatable all all seasons well and you know as we mentioned that was sort of a trend that was going on or it was really big about two years ago but it's still of course going on it could be eternal um now it will be that it's been uh, immortalized on broadway but what trends are exciting you now what are you seeing out there when you're writing the blogs or shopping for clients that you think is going to be the next big thing okay good question um <laughs> no so- pressure <laughs> I think, I really do think like black elements are still really present in these trends, like ongoing, it still has been for the past couple of years. And it's, I feel like it's still going all the velvets, the jewel tones. I really think they're still carrying into this year. I think a lot of curves are, are more into play. There's so many curves out there. If you look at CB2 and, um, even West Elm or, 
RH, like you notice there's a lot of curves, whether in sofas, tables, just very uh, architectural details in the furniture that are becoming more present. Um, what else? I think lighting. Lighting is such an important element in design. Not saying that just because I my was going to say, are you trying to sell your dad's lamps right now? Because we are buying. <laughs> but I think that, um, but I really do think that just switching out your lighting in the room, like with the cool, awesome fixture, like chandelier, and there's so many out there like that replicate really expensive designers that you could get for so afford such affordable prices that will, without changing anything else in your room, will take your room a very long way. Switching that out and hardware, I think hardware and lighting are the coolest elements to design right now, in my personal opinion. Hardware uh, like, like handles and curtain rods or? Yeah, like or like even like cabinet knobs. So switching that out and just, let's say you had an all white kitchen, like putting black knobs could make, just like add some real, a cool factor to your kitchen without changing much, you know? So yep. So, and it could be very inexpensive, but it really will take your, I feel like personally would take your, that room a long way. And it's a very inexpensive change to make that will make your room feel like it's been changed. It's been facelift. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I do think those little things can make a huge difference. And the exciting thing is they're really affordable. I don't know about you. My favorite place to get knobs is cool handles and knobs, but where's your favorite place to go? I love, currently, I always love anthropology for those little get, like gadgets, um, but also CB2 has great ones. You know, CB2. they didn't used to sell handles and knobs separately, but they do now, and they are so cute. They are they, really they, what I look to for trends, CB2. Yeah. CB2 for accessories, I just, I they get it. And they're really, and I love their collaborations that they have. Um, my favorite one recently was Goop. That one was really cool with the boucle swivel chair. I love that. If one day <laughs> could get that. But um, yeah, like they really have, they really have great, great stuff. And, you know, sometimes I'll go into the trade only building just to take a spin, just to look at some things. And then right next to the D&D building in New York City is CB2. And I'll go in there right after and you can see so many inspirations. They really are on the pulse. Whereas yeah. these other stores like West Elm are a couple years behind. I mean, they're there. They still have beautiful things that are very intriguing. But it's like CB2 is walking right beside the custom designer line. Yeah, the thing with West Elm I just find is that they're they're just mid-century modern style, you know, like where CB2 has a more a broader style, where as is like more of a broad style where they could change. It's more versatile and um, they they could change what's trending. Where West Elm I find it just solely sticks to mid-century modern. Well, I think maybe West Elm like has those staples that yeah. they kind of stick to and just revolve around those mid-century staples because they do have some fun pieces that I'm like, ooh, yeah. look at this. Yeah. But CB2 is one that will completely change its identity on you. Yeah, I love getting their catalog. They're my favorite catalog to get. But I think that's I, the one catalog I don't get. I'm going to really? have to look into that. Yeah. Um. So I love, the what I love most also about CB2 is where 
West Elm also. Like I love West Elm, don't get me wrong. But what, what they don't do is when you, I love sourcing pillows from CB2 because they come with the insert. It's all there. Whereas West Elm, you have to buy it individually. So it becomes a little bit more of a pain. Um, but, and also CB2's pillows are awesome. Yes, I agree. They have beautiful textures. It's not the first place I think of for pillows, but you're right. And it is such a savings to get the insert because you're basically paying half price what you're going to pay at West Elm. At West Elm, you're going to have to buy the $20 insert. Same at Pottery Barn, same at Etsy, you know, so even though you think that it's a deal. Yeah, especially if you're looking for like a solid velvet pillow, just see to it. (laughs) CB2 has not officially sponsored this podcast yet, but I'm waiting for my check. I'll share with you, Stephanie. I will give you a cut. Okay. So, you know, one thing I neglected to ask you at the top, but I'm just interested in, even though I know a little bit about it, when you were in Montreal, tell me more about your design schooling, your background, because I wanted us to touch upon that and I got right into the, the good stuff. Okay. So I actually didn't start my school at like university as I didn't do an interior design program right from the top. I actually went to business. Um, I did a double concentration in marketing and entrepreneurship and at McGill University. And I didn't, really didn't know what I wanted to do. Like as much as I loved interior design, I also thought about maybe going into real estate. Um, but then I really, I was all my life, I've always been that little kind of creep who like would always peek at night into other people's homes while driving and be like, I wonder what the insides look like, like the in- interior looks like. Cause I'd always be so intrigued as to like different styles and um, yeah. And homes in general. So I really, I really um, decided with it between McGill and going to design school, I had a year and a half off. I worked with my dad and um, yeah. And, th- and I really realized I think interior design is what I want to do. Um, so I went to, I didn't know I was coming to New York at that time. And I decided to do my schooling in French since majority, half of Montreal or more than half of Montreal is French speaking. So I didn't want to limit myself since I'm English speaking Montreal Canadian. I didn't want to limit myself to just that demographic. I wanted to be able to serve the French community as well. So. I did it in French. And then I, before my last year here, uh, before my last year of school, I decided to come to New York to do an internship. I got an internship with this amazing uh, independent interior designer. She was just starting out and she needed help because she was getting busier. So I came to, she was, I came to help her out and interned for her. And she was only doing really um, residential at the time. But when I went back for my final year at school, I went back to Montreal and she called me mid-year and was like, I'm starting, I'm expanding to do commercial and we're doing the head offices all around the head office and the headquarters for Indeed all around the United States. Indeed is the search engine for jobs. And I was like, okay, great. She's like, are you still looking to move to New York? I was like, yeah. Of course I would. So it kind of New York kind of fell into my lap and it was I'm so grateful for that because I love it here. And that's that's my Montreal life and schooling and how I got here. Yeah, well it's interesting to take a different approach and I, you know I think um 
as interior designers, there are a lot of different business facets, whether you do a model like ours where we don't mark up pieces or you do a model like most interior designers where you do mark up pieces. That's a lot of math. That's a lot of invoicing. That's a lot of strategy. I mean, that's not why we don't work that way. But I must say, when I went to work for a high-end designer as an intern, when I saw the amount of paperwork at a normal interior design firm, I was like, oh my gosh, for each piece, there's like five invoices not to mention a trail of taxes because you have to do the sales tax on the XYZ on the so it was really intense and I just realized that there was so much business involved with interior design and so little art at the end of the day we had like two people in the office of maybe seven people who were just there to invoice because marking up furniture is such a labor intensive process so I think it is good to be business minded especially if you're going into that more traditional model with us, we have these plug and play packages. So luckily we don't have to think numbers in such a complicated way. And part of that was by design. Cause I was like, I am not making six invoices for each piece of furniture. <laughs> this is not gonna be how I spend my life. Yeah. And I was right there with you. Um, I, after that job, like the Indeed one, um, I actually decided to switch cause I want to also experience residential. I, didn't, I felt like I didn't, really fully. And that was solely commercial. So I got a job here at a high end residential firm. And that's, and then I found you, thank God. <laughs> Cause like, that's what I was like, I wasn't being creative. I, I felt like my creativity was diminishing and it was sucking the, like it was coming, like I wasn't, I wasn't growing there. So I really just needed a change. And that's what I love about here is like, we really, we see the creative side. We don't have to be bothered with all those invoices, the paperwork. That's not what we do. We're, we're creatives, you know? So, um, well, there's pros and cons, you know, because, uh, we had a really dear designer who was with me for two years, Rachel, and she left about two years ago to move to the West coast. And she came from high end, took a break to be a mom, joined us because it's a more fun, creative experience, and then went back to high end. That's where the big bucks are, people. <laughs> but but it may not be where the emotional, creative, and spiritual fulfillment is. But, you know, she tells me how much she makes by selling this furniture. And I'm like, what? But then I remember that there were two people at my firm chained to their desks while the rest of us were, you know, not much better off. But anyway, the pros and cons of interior design. So before we leave each other, you know, what I do on my podcast, as you know, is I answer questions that have come in. And Jesse has written a question that I was hoping you could field. So Jesse wrote, Betsy, my rent was so out of control, I had to move. And now my apartment is even smaller. Do you have tips for downsizing? So Stephanie, I'm going to let you help Jesse here. So I have living in New York, I definitely experienced small spaces. Um, and I've, I haven't fully um, nailed it to what I'd like, but um, I have some tips for you. So in terms of closets, like closet organize, organizers save the day, whether there's like added shelves that hook off to the fix, hook onto the fixed shelves that create an additional shelf that saved my life in terms of being able to divide my clothes and keep things really, really organized in the small closet, um, especially for and on the bottom, making little shoe racks, get like the wooden ones that actually divide it because the other shoe racks, 
your shoes fall through them. So it there's like little ways to make it look like be organized, but still look good. And the most important thing that I'm so grateful for is having room under my bed. It's the best storage spot, um, whether stuffing your luggage under there or just big items, even more clothes. You could get a bed with store, a storage bed. But I do have to say that storage bed are so, storage beds are so limited in terms of storage that it almost pays if you really need that storage to get a um, a platform bed that has space under it or a box spring bed that has space on there and that ha that's risen from the ground and um you put and you put uh sorry i just blanked but you just slide things good. under to put other like container store like other drawers under there so it just makes for more space and it's not taken up by other by the construction of the piece of furniture so I think those are big tips and especially for cleaning supplies under the sink there are again additional shelves you could add add in to make shelving that you could get at Bed Bath & Beyond mm -hmm. or a container store or Home Depot all these places have such great organizational um tools uh, that you could incorporate into your into your closets and into your cabinets yeah, and some of those additional shelves or things to trick out your closet are a little bit more expensive, especially if you're shopping at the container store. But think of what you're saving on rent when you downsized. And I also tell clients, don't be afraid to get a storage unit because sometimes we don't want to get rid of everything that's special to us or old yearbooks, you know, memorabilia, but we don't need to be tripping over it day to day. And if you are saving money on a smaller space, liberate yourself by just getting that small storage unit, putting your off-season clothes in there, putting your bike in there in the winter. These are just little things that will make a huge difference every single day. Uh, and even though they do cost a little bit, it's an investment in your sanity when you're in a small space. So I, those are our tips, Jesse. That's what we have going on over here. But Stephanie, I am so glad you were able to join me today. Of course. It was a pleasure to be here. And this was a lot of fun. Oh, good. Well, and I'm so glad you were able to join Affordable Interior Design because you've been with us about six or seven months now. I think so. Six. Six. Like, six. And like 50 clients, maybe more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So certainly never a dull moment. Yeah. All right. Well, we look forward to talking to you again soon. And in the meanwhile, happy designing, happy blogging, happy social mediaing for us. And so when you're on our social media, when you're on Facebook, when you're on Instagram, know that Stephanie is behind the scenes, powering all of that. Check out her weekly blog on affordableinteriordesign.com and feel free to send in questions through Facebook. She loves to answer them. She loves to pass them my way. So there yeah. we go. And up for the newsletter. Oh, we yes. Please have news. That's a great idea. If you go to affordableinteriordesign.com and go to the contact page, you can sign up for our newsletter. And bi-weekly, you get a whole list of amazing tips. They're usually seasonal or topical. Uh, we even have a designer spotlight where we're sharing our favorite things. So yes, there's many ways that you can profit from Stephanie's expertise. <laughs> and I will catch you next week. Bye. asked for it and we have answered the call. For years you've been saying, Betsy, 
You're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.